If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 77-year-old former soldier Stephen Fulton was jailed for shooting his wife in the head. His wife was leaving him and she handed him his wedding ring and he responded by taking a gun out of his waistband and shooting her in the head. For that crime, Fulton was sentenced to just five years in prison. When he was convicted of manslaughter, the normal Crown Court accepted that his actions had been substantially impaired by a classifiable mental disorder. He moved back to Cookstown when he was released and rejoined the Orange Order. There's tens of thousands of people in the Orange Order. The vast majority wouldn't have been aware who this guy is. Indeed, in recent weeks, he was made Worshipful District Master of his lodge. People in the Orange Order will tell you that the Worshipful District Master of any lodge is supposed to be someone of, of you know, a high moral authority. A role he resigned following media coverage. They've created for themselves an absolute PR disaster and it took them four days to convince um, someone who killed his wife, shot, shooting her in the head, to, to step down from a senior role in the Orange Order. I'm joined by the Sunday Life's chief reporter, Kieran Barnes, who broke the story. Kieran, what's the latest in this story as, as we speak about it? Well, Stephen Fulton's resigned. Um, his position is Worshipful District Master of Cookstown LOL number three. Um, the resignation came on Wednesday morning. It was announced by the Orange Order. The Orange Order said that um, they confirmed that he'd stepped down. They, they apologised for any distress caused and they um, said they weren't going to make any further comment on the matter. But th- that's four days after the story broke. And four days where they sat in their hands, the, the institution sat in its hands and um, endured some of the worst headlines it ever has done in recent memory. And that could have all been avoided if they had came out on Saturday um, when Sunday they first put questions to it regarding Stephen Fulton's role and, uh, and confirmed resignation then or on Sunday. But uh, in what some people might say is typical Orange Order fashion, they've created for themselves an absolute PR disaster and it took them four days to convince um, someone who killed his wife, shot, shooting her in the head, to, to step down from a role, a senior role in the Orange Order and a role which um, people are supposed to look up to the people in and are supposed to be of the highest moral standards. 
Were you surprised by the resignation or did you think it was inevitable? Uh, the indications I was getting on Saturday and Sunday was that Stephen Fulton had dug his heels in and didn't want to step down. But I think as the days went on and his story snowballed and become bigger and bigger and started being reported in other newspapers on the radio by the BBC, the Orange Order had little option but to um, ask him to resign or he had little option to, to volunteer his resignation. Um you know the, the last the past year has been disastrous for the Orange Order. They've been they've been damaged by um, various uh, different PR disasters, so to speak. Um, you had Orange Man given a serial paedophile Davy Tweed a guard of honour at his funeral um, last year. You then had the Orange Man laughing along and banging tables and while cackling their heads off when when people were singing vile songs about the murder victim, Michaela McAreevy, who was killed in Honeymoon Mauritius. That took place in an orange hall in Dundonald. And now you have a convicted wife killer elevated to the position of Worshipful District Master in Cookstown. So it's been a bad year in terms of public relations for the Orange Order. Um, a lot of it's self-inflicted. But, I mean, I would venture to say that perhaps many orange men would have been very surprised, if not shocked, at someone who's gunned down their wife in the, in the house. He was convicted of manslaughter being elevated to this did you get the sensation that uh that there was some support for this or that the or that there there were orange men or there are orange men worried about this well we were tipped off about it by sources from within the orange order who were absolutely horrified that this had taken place they were saying look there's no place for a wife killer in the orange order full stop never mind as a in a senior position in, in county tyrone um you've got to remember and it, it, there's thirty thousand members in the orange order right across ireland and the decision to promote Stephen Fulton, the district master, was taken by a small group of orange men within Cookstown. And what I'm told happens is then, once decisions like these are made and promotions like these are made, it then goes to uh, the leadership of the Orange Order, who ratified. Now, I doubt very much if anybody within the leadership of the Orange Order had heard of Stephen Fulton. I doubt very much whether anyone who's an orange man outside of Cookstown knew who Stephen Fulton was. So um, the vast majority of orange men, and you're talking tens of thousands, would have no idea who this guy is. And I'd say that a substantial amount of people, quite a substantial amount of people within the Orange Order would have no truck with someone like this. But again, this is something that the Orange Order could have explained when it issued its statement yesterday announcing Stephen Fulton's resignation. It could explain, look, there's tens of thousands of people in the Orange Order. The vast majority wouldn't have been aware of who this guy is. Um, the vast majority wouldn't have supported this and this is why the decision's being made to um, accept this resignation. So instead of the Orange Order saying that, you know, it's left for me to explain it and I shouldn't be having to act as a spokesperson for the Orange Order or trying to explain their decisions. But again, it's just another example of how badly mismanaged the Orange Order's public relations is when you have a journalist from the Sunday Life having to explain to people um, why the majority of Orange men wouldn't have known anything about Stephen Fulton. It should be down to the Orange Institution to do that. And... It's, it's a failure on its part. They, they didn't clarify all this when they issued the statement just on Wednesday about Fulton's resignation. And obviously, the issue in this story, uh, Stephen Fulton was convicted in court of manslaughter. We'll speak about that in a second. I mean, obviously he served his time. Uh, obviously, after that, we expect people to be rehabilitated. Uh, we also expect, to an extent, people to be reintegrated in society. We, society accepts that. But certainly it's very unusual. We wouldn't, the story is, I suppose, from a journalistic point of view, yes, okay, you're let out, but you don't expect 
to be given a position of respect and authority in your community after shooting your wife in the head and killing her. Well, people who promoted to the people within the Orange Order will tell you that the worshipful district master of any lodge is supposed to be someone of, of you know a high moral authority, someone who's of good standing within the community. And how you can elevate someone who shot his wife in the head in cold blood and went to jail for doing it. Now you gotta remember the circumstance to to you know, to a position of authority, it, it, it perplexes me. You have to remember the circumstances of how Stephen Fulton done this. He his wife was leaving him and she handed him his wedding ring and he responded by taking a gun out of his waistband and shooting her in the head. Um women are allowed to leave men. You know, it's this isn't this isn't the nineteenth century. Just certainly took the decision to leave him, handed him back his wedding ring. And she shouldn't no, there's no there's no justification whatsoever for for any violence towards someone who makes that decision. Any sort of violence, particularly in the in the in the current climate when Northern Ireland has the highest femicide rate in in Europe. And hardly a week goes by where we don't see someone convicted of either murdering, uh killing or beating up a woman in Northern Ireland. I know there's people and you know there's people listening to this podcast and they're saying, I but would you be doing this podcast if if it was the GAA? And the answer to that question is yes. If someone who was found guilty of the manslaughter of their wife, who killed their wife by shooting her in the head, uh, was uh, elected or promoted to the chairperson of a local GAA club, for example, or any other organisation, of course, of course, we would be doing the story. Well, well, I'll give you an example. There's a there was a senior Sinn Fein and IRA figure for a while called Pierce Macaulay, who was convicted of battering his. His, his wife and you know we were all over that so there's you know as far there's no it, regardless of religion regardless of what organisation you're a member of if you're if you murder your wife if you kill your wife if you beat your wife you know we're certainly going to look at it and we're certainly going to we're certainly going to expose it now obviously we've been talking about Stephen Fulton here her wife was called Corrine Fulton she was much younger than him I understand as you said she told him uh, she was going to leave him. Now, he wasn't there. She, he was a member of the army, the British army. He was a sergeant of the British army and he was in England. Mm-hmm. So, and he travelled back to confront her. Is, 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 that, is that understanding correct? Yeah, well, well, what happened was the relationship was obviously in difficulty. He was on a, a Royal Irish Ranger summer training camp in Kent and he got a phone call to let, her, let him know that, that she was leaving him. So he, he hops back on the, the the quickest form of transport back to Northern Ireland, goes back to the house they share in, in Cookstown, um, confronts the wife, Corrine. She says, look, I'm leaving you. Uh, there's the ring back. And he produces a gun, shoots her in the head. And, you know, he, he's convicted of manslaughter. Now, when he was convicted of manslaughter, I think this is important, Oma Crown Court accepted that, and this is in the words of the judge, his actions had been substantially impaired by a classifiable mental disorder. So the judge explained that, you know, he wasn't of sound mind when he when he committed this crime. And that's you know, that's the reason why the court the the PPS, the Public Prosecution Service, um, accepted a, a manslaughter prosecution rather than a than a murder one. Despite the fact that he travelled from England with a, a, a pistol which he took from the army. Well, it was army issue. Yeah. It was army issue. Uh, so many people would have been very surprised by that sentence and conviction at the, in the beginning. There was a lot of criticism of that sentence, even at the time, was there not? Yeah, there was Monica Williams, who was the then leader in an MLA in South Belfast for the Women's Coalition. 
Um, she she questioned both the, both the manslaughter verdict and the judge's remarks. Um, remember this, he was sentenced in 2000. The, the killing had occurred in 89, so we're 23 years on. But even when you look back at the case, and this is two decades later, you still think to yourself, my God, you know, that the decision to prosecute him for manslaughter rather than murder seems strange and it needs explained. Uh, I don't think if you had a situation like this in the present day that the the prosecution would be manslaughter. Um, I, I, you know, obviously the judge, he was there during the journey here and he's, he's, he's got access to papers and statements that I, that I don't as a journalist, but looking as, as, as someone who's covered crime for 20 years, you know, I, I look at the case and I go, wow. And, I, and then that's a feeling shared by a lot of other journalists and a lot of other commentators who've, who've spoken quite eloquently on the subject since, the, since Sunday Life broke the story at the weekend. Now, you've knocked on Stephen Fulton's door and, and confronted him. Yeah, I did last Saturday. What did he say? Um, initially, when I knocked on the door, it was a Saturday morning and I, I didn't think he was in at first because... Um, there was no sign of life, but then I noticed the living room window was open and there was a pair of shoes left at the front door, so I guessed he was probably in. So he came to the front door in his underpants um, and his shirt on. So I'm guessing he probably had went for a lie down and, and got back up and just threw the shirt on and he was, he was there in his wife front, you know. Um, and he's an old man and he looks an old man. He probably looks older than, than what he actually is and he, he cut quite a forlorn figure on the doorstep. So I put it to him about... First of all, I introduced myself and said, look, um, we're doing a story around this. Um, it's just for we'll give you a heads up um, regarding this. And if you want to make any sort of comment around it, you're free to do so. Um, he looked absolutely stunned. You know, I, 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 he was struggling for words. He said that it happened over 20 years ago and I've done my time. Um, and then um, he started talking about how... And, I mean, and in a sense, that's fair enough. You wouldn't have been knocking on his door if that was just the case. Uh, you know, it did happen 20 years ago. He did serve his time. And if and up until last week, the Sunday Life had no interest yeah, and, in him. And the other, and the reason, one of the reasons why the media seized upon this is because the Orange Order announced his um, his elevation to District Master in, in a local newspaper. That there was a photograph of Stephen Fulton. He was pictured smiling. Well, not smiling, but other Orange men around him were smiling and he was sitting there looking just quite plain but uh, this photograph appeared in the Courier Mid-Ulster the local newspaper and the Orange Order were announcing him as um, Worshipful District Master and they also wished him every success for the future and the caption that accompanied the, the photograph so the Orange Order announced this you know it wasn't like this was a decision taken in-house um, that not that many people within the Orange Order in Cookstown knew about this was uh, a decision which the Orange Order was I'm proud to announce and I'm proud to, to show off in a local newspaper along with photographs and a statement wishing him well. So when I got to the door, I put it to him that he's conviction for the manslaughter of his wife and that someone who has a conviction for the manslaughter of their wife shouldn't really be in a position where they are expected to show moral leadership to a, to a large group of people. And again, he, he looks stunned and he, um, he uh, it, it was almost like he was sobbing but there was no tears coming out. And he was he was upset on the door, so um, I thought it best to leave him. I didn't want to I didn't want to upset the guy being being an older fellow, fellow too. So uh, I went on my way. I, I gave him a brief synopsis of what we'd be writing about, and asked him if he wanted to comment any further. He could. Um, on my way back from Cookstown, back to Belfast, uh, 
one of his friends, Trevor Carson, uh, a fellow orange man, rang me, and we later spoke when I when I got back to when I got back to Belfast. Um, and Trevor stuck up for him, and Trevor, you know, he, he was perfectly fine on the phone, a nice guy, and he told me that Stephen served his time, paid his debt to society, and he's a good man. Um, Trevor was also he had also expressed concerns that um, someone within the Orange Order had, had tipped off the media about this. Um, the word betrayal was used, but ultimately, if the Orange Order hadn't been so forthright in publicising this decision in a, in a local newspaper, I don't think the media probably would have got a sniff of it. You know, and I think it is important to stress that there's different views inside the Orange Order. And that, you know, I remember if you've spoken to insiders in the Orange Order, and they're clearly shocked about it. Yeah, well, the one, you know, one Orange man has since conceded to me that, you know, critics of the Orange Order. Um, will seize upon this and use it as a stick to beat them with, and and, and this is true. And it's just another, it's just another example of how the orange order can be outdated, outmoded, and on occasion outrageous. I don't even think critics of the orange order have seized on this because there was no call to. The the facts were there in front of us. So, but the fallout in general has been has been negative in the as in the extreme, really, as you'd expect, and it has led to uh, Stephen Fulton's resignation as. Worshipful uh, uh, district master of Cookstown uh, Laurel Orange Lodge. Even in their statement on on Wednesday announcing Stephen Fulton's resignation, the Orange Order said Cookstown District LOL Number Three considers this matter to be closed and not, will not be making any further comment in relation to it. Again, it's not for Cookstown LOL Number Three to decide whether or not this matter is closed. It's for the family and friends of Corian Fulton to decide that. It's for it's for women's rights groups to decide that. There, you know, it's not for the Orange Order. It's just suddenly go, right, we aren't talking about this anymore. It's shut down. It's gone. Don't speak about it. it, it the world doesn't work that way. Kieran Barnes, Chief Reporter with The Sunday Life, thank you very much. Thank you, Kieran. This episode of The Bell Tale was produced by myself, Kieran Dunbar. The sound design was by Graham Davidson. Ruby Frankie was known by millions as a very tough mom. That's exactly the way she wanted it. The social media star amassed a huge following of supporters and detractors alike, preaching the values of strict discipline. But you'll learn in a new podcast available exclusively on Wondery Plus how the small empire built by this momfluencer crumbled the moment her 12-year-old son escaped their home and called 911. Wondery and Law and & Crime bring you the new podcast, The Rise and Fall of Ruby Frankie which explores the allegations of starvation, torture, and emotional abuse leveled against Frankie and her business partner, Jody Hildebrandt. Learn about the family's path to stardom, the depravity investigators uncovered inside the home, and hear in-depth analysis of the ongoing criminal trial. Listen to The Rise and Fall of Ruby Frankie exclusively and ad-free on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts.